0: Welcome to the Soul Salons, exploring our spiritual heritage. Today, I am going to review a book called The Universal Tree and the Four Birds by a Muslim scholar, poet, and philosopher named Muhyiddin Ibn Arabi. When I took the time to read the text, to follow the storylines, and to understand the symbolism that Ibn Arabi's tree and its four birds represented, it really drew me in. As with a lot of episodes that I prepare for the Soul Salons, I just love the rich, soulful language that Ibn Arabi uses. The book includes both contemplative prose and poetry. The beginning, for example, features a long poem that addresses the paradoxes in our lives. Here's how it starts. From my incompleteness to my completeness, and from my inclination to my equilibrium. From my grandeur to my beauty, and from my splendor to my majesty. From my scattering to my gathering and from my exclusion to my reunion, from my baseness to my preciousness, and from my stones to my pearls." After continuing with some of these polarities, the author comments on his yearning for the infinite and his quest to bring to light what lies hidden in night's core. He also has an interesting conclusion to the poem where he says, On the matter of spiritual realization, mankind does not cease to err for God's secret is poised between the shout and the whisper. After Ibn Arabi's poem, and before he even gets to his revelation about the tree and the birds, he kind of has a Q&A session with his divine nature. We are never quite sure if it's God, but it could be. Among other things, he asks why he has to stay in this dark abyss and black gloom and place of faults and defects. Presumably, he is talking about this material world. This particular dialogue goes back and forth between joy and sorrow and between remoteness and oneness. Here's a passage that that I liked. When the signs of witnessing were lifted from me and the suffering of spiritual combat was removed and harmony and succor began to flow through me, I mounted the barack of my spiritual aspiration and departed from the cycle of this grief. I fell into the sea of hillock matter and beheld the next world and the present one. Again, I love the language here. There were also two words in this passage that I didn't know. I discovered that the burak is a mythical winged horse on which the prophet Muhammad was said to have rode into the heavens. Hilak means related to the material world. Before I tell you about Ibn Arabi's revelation related to the tree and the birds, who was the man himself? The version of the book I am using is translated and introduced by Angela Joffrey, who is a scholar on Ibn Arabi. Her book includes a very good biography on him as well as very helpful commentary. Mu'yadin ibn Arabi was born in 1165 in Murcia, Spain. This was in the province of Andalucía. I was very jealous of Ibn Arabi growing up there because it was one of the most sophisticated civilizations of the Middle Ages. It had a thriving intellectual and spiritual life. I'm sure there were problems like anywhere else, but there was a lot of harmony at that time between Muslims, Christians, and Jews. Alhambra, which is an ancient palace in Granada, in Andalusia, is one of the most beautiful places I have ever been. Anyway, when he was a young boy, Ibn Arabi's family moved to Seville, or a as the locals would say. His family was in the ruling class, so originally he worked in local government. In his youth, he seemed to have regular spiritual visions, including those of the prophets Jesus, Moses, and Muhammad. So these were turning points for him, and henceforward he dedicated himself to Sufism, the Islamic mystical tradition. He lived as an ascetic for a time, but also studied with some of the top Sufi scholars in Andalusia. A few of these were women, which I found really interesting. In the early part of his life, Ibn Arabi traveled mostly between Spain and North Africa, but then further afield to places like Palestine, Syria, and Iraq. He had many students and apparently wrote at least 350 works during his lifetime. Some of his books were based on his spiritual visions or dreams. He died in Damascus in the year 1240. His teachings apparently spread as far as China and eventually to the West. If I were to summarize what little I know of Ibn Arabi's philosophy, it would be that there is one God that is manifest in a world of paradox and in the divine attributes of man. I found a quote online on these ideas that I liked. God sleeps in the rock, dreams in the plants, stirs in the animal and awakens in man. But let's get back to the main theme of the book, the tree and the birds. The tree represents the perfect human being, and the four birds in the tree are the four cosmic faculties, namely the first intellect, represented by the eagle, the universal soul, represented by the ring dove, prime matter, represented by the phoenix, and the universal body, represented by the crow. That all probably sounds pretty confusing, but actually it's a really interesting story. I'll start with the tree. The commentary in the book by Ms. Jaffrey says that the tree symbolizes the archetypal perfect human being, exemplified by such individuals as the prophet Muhammad, who reflect the totality of the divine names and attributes. The universal tree is found in many of the world's traditions, of course, and is a symbol of eternal life. The trunk of this cosmic tree, she adds, has two branches that represent the opposing qualities manifesting in all of creation, whereas its leaves symbolize the myriad and ever-renewed forms of creation. I've never really thought of humanity as a tree, but it's interesting to think about. Are we all leaves on a bigger tree of humanity? Most trees have one trunk and opposing branches and thousands of leaves that are each unique, but still compose one whole. I'm looking at a huge tree in front of my office window right now, and, of course, this tree is affected by drought and rain, and we also have to prune it a couple of times a year. So, I'm sure there are a lot of spiritual analogies there. But moving on to the birds, they each represent different spiritual stations, or at least they did to me. We start with the ring dove, which I learned can be either a dove or pigeon with a ring-shaped mark around the neck but I prefer thinking of the dove for this episode, which is a universal symbol of peace and loyalty. The ring dove is also a bearer of inspiration in Ibn Arabi's text. The story goes that God called the ring dove into creation and invites the eagle to be part of the process. When the ring dove is birthed, so to speak, the eagle falls in love with her beauty and song. There are parallels in the text with Eve in the Bible who was born from the sleeping Adam. The eagle and the dove come together in what Ibn Arabi calls a spiritual wedding. So the theme here is very much one of the lover and the beloved. The commentary on Arabi's text says that the ring dove is the universal soul. I will share passages from a poem in this part of the text. I am the dove of oft-repeated praises. My dwelling is in the garden of spiritual meanings. I am an essence in the entities. I have nothing but dualities. Beautiful realities descend upon threads, toward the hearts that turn from the ornaments of the gardens, in search of the one who transcends the vicissitudes of time. We then learn more about the eagle who represents the first intellect. The prophet Muhammad is reported to have said, The first thing that God created was the intellect. It came into existence from nothing, meaning directly from God without intermediary or secondary cause. Again, we see a parallel with Adam. The story in this part of the book is that noblemen try to capture the eagle in the fowler's net of thought. But a duplicate eagle from the country of illusion drops into the net and the captors call this fake eagle, so to speak, the truth. Would that they knew that the truth is not clear to them and never will be, says the eagle, who refers to Satan's influence over them and abandons them to their confusion. In this part of the text, the eagle sees its own weakness too. In the story, he says that God illuminated my existence with his knowledge and entrusted me with poverty and weakness, turning me away from might and glory. The third bird in our story is the Anka, and the closest thing to this would be a phoenix, which is a mythical bird that arises out of the fire. Ibn Arabi associates the phoenix with prime matter, which is referred to as dust, The book's commentary refers to it as dimensionless, unquantifiable, and devoid of actual content, but that it also contains the potential forms of all existence. Interestingly, it's the faculty of imagination that gives this matter, or dust, some form. There's not too much about the Anka in Ibn Arabi's text, although we do find out that she is born out of the union of the eagle and the ringdove. The Anka, or phoenix, talks about her mysterious qualities, but there's not a story per se. In the poem, she says, I am the one who has no existent entity, the one who lacks no property, strange Anka they've come to call me. Although the door of my existence is sealed, the merciful has not made my mention in vain. But it has to do with a meaning whose secret must be sought. The phoenix gives birth to a son, which is the crow, or the symbol of the universal body. The crow describes himself this way. From me arises the world of material bodies. I am the source of figures, and likenesses are struck according to the levels of my form. I am the lamp in the winds. I am the chain against the pebbles and the wing. I am the sea whose waves constantly strike one another. The crow, as I understood it anyway, was more in the material realm, but still a spiritual being. Here's a part of a poem about the crow. I am, with respect to my lord, a wisdom for one who sees me. For I am the secret whose nature was fashioned without fingertips. My creator ordered everything within himself when he constructed me. For I am a rock, and from me the spiritual meanings flash. In the commentary of the book, Miss Joffrey references how the birds are described in the text. The eagle, for example, is pure light, the ring dove is a mixture of light and darkness, the anka is an ambiguous twilight, and the crow is jet black. These are more paradoxes to think about, perhaps, in this work. None of us are likely to see a phoenix, but next time you see a dove or an eagle or a crow, or even a tree, Maybe you'll think about the spiritual symbols in Ibn Arabi's universal tree and the four birds.